Hello there and welcome to the latest episode of the Sith Taker Snapshots podcast. I'm your host, currently existing in a state of near-nuclear meltdown, Richard Polly, And joining me today is, um, I'm not sure how he's still alive in this heat, Liam Baker. Buongiorno. Uh, it's a, a careful blend of aircon in the office and drinking all the cold drinks. Ice-cold cans of Monster by the dozen. No, I'm actually just I'm making a drink, sticking it in the freezer for half an hour, and then consuming it rapidly. Right, fair enough. Uh, also joining us is, um, he's going to be doing some chatting today because he no longer sounds as sexy as normal, but that doesn't mean he isn't is any less sexy than normal. It's Tim King. Hello there. Right, yeah. Ben's not joining us. To, sorry, go on, Tim, what are you saying? Well, I was about to say, I still feel a bit croaky, but, you know. And I hope when Liam makes his uh, his t- cups of tea, he lets it cool down before he puts it in the freezer. Hey, I don't, I don't drink tea. Are you mad? I don't know. No, I don't drink tea. I'm a specimen. Mm. You're, you're a child. That's what you're... Pretty much. Uh, so, uh, Ben's not joining us today because he is, and I quote, just lying on a dog cooling pad. Um, so. That's an image. You can have that. He doesn't want to put headphones on for an hour because even though he's got no hair, his head's too sweaty or something. I'm not sure what's going on, but he's not here today. So well, It's the um, usual British behaviour, isn't it? If we get a uh, slight extreme of temperature one way or the other. Uh, bear in mind, we're, what, 30s maybe today? Uh, so uh, if, if, if you're lucky, you're getting 30s today, yeah. yeah. Um, so it could be a lot hotter, but uh, I appreciate it. I mean, so we could, we could have some interesting noises in the background, so we are experiencing a bit of a thunderstorm at the moment. So uh, it's yeah. a, a very mild, I imagine, from, uh, well, I mean, I experienced some great thunder shows on, on the continent, and I imagine America probably gets some pretty spectacular ones as well. But we'll see what happens. We might lose the internet. We may not. Yeah, yeah we're currently existing in the, the cool evening temperature after the rainstorms have come of uh, twenty low 20s. It crept up as high as 30 today. So for people in continental Europe where it's basically solidly 30, this is as hot as it gets in the UK and we are not built for it and we are not used to it. So um, bear with us while we die slowly. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more, I think, about uh, UK Games Expo. Um, so Tim and Liam, I know Liam, you weren't on with us last week and Tim was ill, so he wasn't really talking. So we're going to have a bit of a chat with you guys. Um, we've had a little bit more of a, a kind of a time to step back and breathe and look at the meta and think about things as a result of, of that event. Um, and also, um, have a little bit of fun. So, um, personally speaking, I was so like deep into trying to figure out what was going to be good that I got myself balled up as a little knot of stress, which meant that I actually had a terrible event, which I talked a bit about last week, which, as I said, was nothing to do with my opponents and entirely to do with me not having time to prepare for the event and not being able to do what I normally do post-points changes, which is just to fly everything and anything and just see pieces that I think are good and like try and fit things together and stuff. It was like that forced time of trying to find something good. Um, so I've been flying stuff for fun uh, over the last couple of, uh, well, the last week or so. I've had a handful of games across TTS in real life, and I've just used stuff that kind of uh, either was like, oh, yeah, that did well at Expo. Give it a go and see if I like it. Like the resistance list uh, that Mark Parker Hughes uh, did, I think, 4-2 with. Um, 
it was like 40 70s and zori bliss so it's nice to put her on the table um but also heard it here first i don't know if it's any good or not five foresight inquisitors uh, not inquisitors jedi so you can fit i'm gonna, gonna get this right yoda shakti uh baris offy or mace windu but he doesn't have clt luminara and kit fisto so shakti yoda and kit fisto in etta twos and they all have foresight plus some other stuff and it's basically really fun because you're laying down bullseyes and hoping people fly into them. Problem is, it's a bit of a slap fest list after the if the if you don't get foresight or if you're flying against three agility ships. But um, yeah, I had a bit of fun with that. Some Jedi <coughs> stuff, so probably a good laugh. Um, so yeah, post expo, I'm a lot more chilled out, a lot more positive about the game. Have got a Blood Bowl team assembled and ready for paint now. That's the other thing I've been doing. Um, so you get Denton to do it. No, I'll do it myself. I'll give it a bash. Why not? I mean, I'll probably play about four games of Blood Bowl and then stick it on the shelf, but we'll see. Be a good laugh. Way to learn how to paint. So anyway, Expo. Liam, you weren't here last week. How was your Expo? I enjoyed the uh, the Expo itself. Uh-huh. Um, did, did you buy anything? I did. I bought Cult Express because I saw the likes of Dan Athey, Kester, and Tom Candlin playing it at the STO. Right. Uh, and I was able to get a game of it on Sunday. Sunday? Was it? No, it was Saturday. And I had a great time. It's just chaos. And you're it's not each other about a train. It's a railway-themed family board game. It's like everyone is trying to get as much loot from the train as possible, uh, and you program your turns in. So everyone plays a card, and there's certain conditions. So you either play it face down, so nobody knows what you're going to do in that round, and you're just running around, you're shooting each other, you're picking up loot, you're getting punched, you're dropping your loot, and it's I think it's like randomly determined. But at the end of like four or five turns, you just count how much you've got and everything's secret you don't know how much you've picked up from the bags and it's honestly it's just a great game it's just chaos and it reminds me of one of my other favourite games Robo Rally which I haven't been able to get my hands on for a while okay sounds good I just looking at pictures of it it looks like a very tactile little train set up and everything that's neat um, oh, I did buy a... great. it comes with a storage solution built in oh nice so you assemble your trains and you don't have to unassemble them Oh, that's good. That's good times. I did buy a board game. It's called uh, Ominos, and it's like a dice-based kind of Connect Four kind of thing, but with a bit of a twist, and it's supposed to be good for the kids thinking about strategy, but we've struggled through one game with it, and they're just like that. This is boring, Dad. So I was like, cool, glad I wasted that 20 quid. Amazing. So (laughs) see if adults like playing it next time we've got some people around. Um, cool. Um, how did your X-Wing go? Uh, frustrating. Be honest. Be honest. It was frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, my first game was a tight loss, 16-15 to Greg Squire. Yeah. Uh, I made some mistakes that I shouldn't have made because I was aware of the interactions of his list before I played it. Yeah. And I just brain farted. And I made a vital mistake, which then probably cost me the game, but it was still very close. Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, I tried to survive the last turn when I had to pick up a crate to draw. 
and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I made a couple of mistakes in that one. Uh, I won my next two games. Um, I was getting the grips of my list. Uh, never really flown DBS 404 before. Not successfully anyway. So being able to get the six dice banger off for two crits and four hits was quite fun. Mm. It's always fun um, rolling big dice. Yeah, and then the only consequence is I'll take a crit. Uh, I was quite happy with that. Even got the reload off, but didn't get to fire it again because mm. the game was done dusted by then. Uh, and then my game four happened, which is where I think my entire event kind of just fell flat on its face because I'd already lost a game, so I couldn't afford to lose again. Yeah. Um, I realised a bit too late that the pace of play wasn't what I would expect. Like, my opponent was absolutely lovely, and it's no no slight on him. Hang on, I've just got to let the boy out. Um, but things were bleeding. We'd played yeah. four turns. I lost the game four points to two. Wow. Um, yeah, that's... that. So, I mean, like, we've talked about pace of play before. Um, and it's one of those things where, like, you can play a four-turn game, and if both players are satisfied that the game has played out to a... A conclusion that's okay but four turns is very low and most players wouldn't be happy like i've seen players really happy with a five turn game um you expect six or seven you know and games up kind of eight nine ten that's fairly fast play you do see the odd one that's that's crazy fast but yeah i had a game i can't remember it was a long time it was probably during covid where both of us had supernatural reflexes on ships that were clashing on road so li- literally every single turn was right it depends on what you do so we only played like three turns in time because every turn was taking like 15 minutes and it wasn't the the like the shooting phase was really fast it was sitting thinking for two three minutes about every turns out every every activation because you had the option to spend a force to boost or barrel roll in multiple different ways um and then do your action and then take another action after that um which could be a boost or a barrel roll and you could maybe link it and it was just ridiculous so um it was one of those ones where i looked at the list i was flying looked at the list he was flying and just thought yeah never again that's awful But um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, so you you basically went two two, and did you then drop or did you play game five? No, I saw the pairings, and it was like Marcus Wilson, and mm-hmm. I, I like Marcus, and um, <clears throat> I probably didn't give him the level of game he deserved because my head was completely gone. I was so frustrated because my only goal was to get top thirty two. Mm-hmm. So I, I was I'd already told myself I wasn't playing day two, uh, day two because I wanted to spend the time with my friends and Yaz going around the expo. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that I'd gone two and two and there was no real chance of me getting any decent loot, my head had checked out and I wasn't happy. I was quite frustrated at the entire situation. Um, he absolutely smashed me like 16 to two or something. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's it's, fine. I deserve that. It's a bit funny, isn't it though? Because the, um, like if you go down the list, the people who got, um, top 32 i think there was a couple of three and threes i think one three and three got top 32 um and then a couple of three wins and one draw got top 32 so this is something i didn't realize when i kind of um checked out 
on my game five when I was two and two, I didn't realize that, you know, four and two, yeah, I'm out of cut, but four and two means that you're in the hunt for the cardboard, right? Um, yeah. And, you know, well, you're guaranteed the cardboard at four and two. Um, so um, shout out to um, lovely Connor Holmes, who took a couple of bits out of the cardboard that he wanted and then said to me, you look really disappointed. Do you want this? And I looked at it and I was like, well, there's five Jedi dial covers in there that are amazing. So thanks very much, mate. Um, so, <laughs> so I was pretty, pretty pleased to get what I did get, but um, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of taking charity. Um, I'll be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, but but it was weird, like, because the event was so big and it felt like because it was such a small cut that there was nothing to play for once you lost the second game. But weirdly, because of the way that they, I say they screwed up the prizes, um, the prizing was not communicated properly um, to us. Uh, we all kind of thought that there was nothing to play for at that point, but there was. In fact, top 32 was really all there was to play for unless you made cut. Because there was nothing different for being top 16. Um, you know, top eight got the range rulers, top four got the templates, winner got the tray. Um, everything, you know, there were some tokens rattling about as well for, I think, the people who were in cut. But yeah, it was it was kind of odd. It felt like you had nothing to play for once you were out of cut. But there was actually 24 places below cut who were getting some pretty sweet stuff. So yeah, weird. Anyway, yeah, I'm sorry was... you had a bad time. Oh, it's all right. I was just... Because I think I've openly said on the podcast before, like four turns, I would be incredibly displeased with it. Yeah. And I mean, there was 11 ships on the table, five of mine, six of his. Um, But so there's a couple of points I need to kind of raise on the back of this. Mm -hmm. So because my pace of play is quick, I find it, difficult to use that as a barometer for the pace of my opponent. Yeah. Because I once go, well, sometimes I'm unreasonably quick on my dials, so it's hard to expect my opponent to go, yeah, okay, I need to speed up. Mm -hmm. But I need to keep a handle on that. But another thing that I think is a minute issue, and it's something that couldn't have happened at Worlds, is the use of a round timer. But it's not a round time that counts down, it just counts up. Mm-hmm. So if I would if I had something just in my proximity, and I probably should have used my phone with the timer on, but that felt a bit sketchy. Um just to have something counting up, go from zero and just have it count up. Because then yeah. I can go right then. I'm on turn three and an hour has been played. Like yeah, this so, is not right, we've got, and then I can flag the judge. Yeah, so you're like, like, we've got 12 minutes left here, and we've played three turns, so you know we need to get two turns in in the next 12 minutes, um, sort of thing. And but I mean, by that point, it's too late, really, because the judge can come over and say, pick your speed of play up. But for the last turn to take 12 minutes, including you know engagement and everything, that you know nobody would bat an eyelid at that if there were loads of decisions and you were in, in turn seven or eight. It's because you've just gone into turn four with 10 minutes left. It seems like, oh, no, you know, but, you know, you think you could rush through it. But then if your opponent is being very, very considered with his decision making, that makes it difficult. Um, So, yeah, there was a few people watching the game as well. And I think they could see how visibly stressed I was getting and internally frustrated. But someone actually flagged a judge 
to come over to the table and kind of keep an eye on it, mm-hmm. which I was grateful for, but it shouldn't fall, it shouldn't have fallen upon an outside party to get someone to keep tabs on the speed of the game. I should have been more vocal and gone, okay, this is moving fairly slowly. Yeah, uh, we need to pick up the pace. But again, that's my own internal struggles of being able to measure an average pace of play because mine is quick and not having any external factors to measure against. Yeah, I think I think the point you're making about being aware of the passage of time, um, and like if you set in your mind that I don't know, you know, ten minutes around is roughly acceptable, and so if you get to the end of thirty minutes and you've not finished round three and you're not into round four then or about to hit round four at 30 minutes then you can you know say to your opponent we're playing pretty slowly here would you be able to pick the speed up and if they don't then you can call a judge and be like you know we're at 45 minutes and we're only in turn four now um and the judge will then say you need to you know play a bit faster please to your opponent and that's fine i think the problem is that often you don't realize that um slower play has affected your chances of winning until it's too late to resolve it and the problem yeah. then is that when you go and speak to a judge, it's like, yeah, but you wouldn't have had a problem if you'd won, you know. And that is part of the game, um, is moderating the number of turns that you want to play. So, like, you, you can see some players, some very good players, who very clearly know that their list does really well over six turns. But if it gets to eight turns, their list then loses. So they won't play eight turns. They'll play the game to six turns to maximize the chances of winning because they know that you know, Han Solo in a Falcon is really hard to burn down in six turns. Um, but given an extra two turns, you can catch him the second time. Um, you know, you'll, you'll catch him once in six turns, twice in eight turns. So, you know, that's when he dies and, you know, ships seven points to your opponent. But, I mean, it is, it's 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 a really difficult situation because you've also got the the social thing of the person sitting across the table from you and not wanting to sling your hand in the air and yell, judge. Um, you know, yeah, just because I think so. Again, that's more of a, an internal pressure, and I never want to be part of a negative experience for an opponent. Yeah, and I feel like I'm being a bit of an ass by going, You're not moving quick enough, I'll even get a judge to prove it. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> but, like it's entirely possible to have the conversations in a way that's non confrontational, but it's also difficult because it depends on your mental state, your mood, your opponent's mental state and mood. Like if you're both stressed, if it's a bit of a pressure game and you say, thinking, you know, you're doing it in a jocular tone, would you be able to, you know, speed it up a bit? You're playing a bit slowly. They might take it as you being quite aggressive and agitated or possibly argumentative, even though you don't intend it to come across in that tone. I think it's easier if you know the other person. Like this is something I've identified identified is that when i'm playing super casually with my mates and just shooting you know jokes and laughing and joking with the people at the tables around me and stuff like that then i play in a much more relaxed way and i have more fun and i probably play better where if i'm playing in a big tournament where i don't know the people around me and it's like i've got to do all this all all perfectly i get really shaky and i get the sweats and get really stressed and stuff so yeah it's all a bit it's a bit odd um tim have you got any thoughts about this situation you've been quietly sitting on mute um i think timekeeping is really difficult and it's something that i've obviously done as uh, sort of experience as a player but more predominantly as a to 
And I mean, it is one of those ones where I always say to somebody, don't tell me at the end of the game, tell, tell me beforehand. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, for, as a, from a player's point of view, the only thing I can suggest to Liam is that um, you, you just got to um, you've just got to uh, be that guy that has the sort of the timer running, um, and you know just be prepared to actually you know call your opponent out on that. I mean, it's it's not easy by any means. I, I appreciate that, and can seem a bit confrontational. Um, yeah, so- because of again past experiences they look at work just because of the size of me and you know I'm a six foot two big blonde guy like sometimes I've just been told regardless of what I'm saying I come across as confrontational so I tend to just retreat into my shell and internalize everything I think which is again a me thing I need to work on my communication yeah and I think there's there's ways ways and means of doing it like you know the the, the first thing I would do is you know I just sort of say right I'm set you, know, you give your opponent, you know, another few minutes to sort of set their does, and it's very different if it's at the end of the game where I don't know you're down to one or two ships and your opponent's still got six. Then I wouldn't be like set my dials and then tell my opponent, right, come on, you know, set yours. But I mean, like if if we're, if it's like five ships versus five ships, second turn, and I've set my dials, I'll be like, I've set my dials, and then you know, if my opponent's like five minutes later still in the planning phase, I'm like, come on, we need to sort of pick the pace up a little. Um, and you can sort of say it politely to start with, uh, and then it's, if it's a repeated thing, um, what I was going to say from from a player point of view. So I just have a nice and simple Fitbit that I wear on my you know, wrist as more of a watch than anything. But um, what's really good is that I can set myself a seventy minute timer, and it will just vibrate, and that helps me know that you know obviously it's getting towards the end of the game. Um, so for my own personal game management, then I'm knowing. A sort of I've got a, a few minute warning that we're getting towards the end of the game possibly should have one that goes off at 60 minutes or 65 or something like that because you know I don't get an awful lot of time to react to that I guess um, but I mean certainly having a watch on or like you know having that visible timer like you say helps you keep an eye on the game I mean I think realistically you know 10 minute turns maximum really because you know we should be looking at sort of between 6 and 8 turns for a game um, you know, and we're set up and everything else. So, you know, if, if your opponent's taking five, ten minutes in the planning phase, um, you know, and, and, and once per game's fine. Like, if it's a real, real crucial planning phase, then I absolutely get it. But if it's, you know, I, I have seen it where it's, it's you know, planning phase for turn one and your opponent takes five, ten minutes, you're like, come on, you, <laughs> you kind of have your opening moves set in your, in your head. You know, that should be like a 30-second planning phase and then... Obviously, then you make you sort of you know give yourself that time towards the end of the game. Um, yeah, I think on the back of that regarding timers, I think from the in in future when it comes to events, I'll just be running a lap timer. So I will go from start of the turn till when the first person ends their dials, hit the timer. Then whoever finishes the second set of dials hit the timer again, because that'll give me a good measure of how long the first person's taken. And then the extra time. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't worry too. Until the last yeah, dial's I wouldn't worry too much. Like you know, you, you can just like glance at your watch. Like if you've set your dials, you just have a see. And if you know, I wouldn't worry like too much down to like seconds and stuff like that. Um, and you know, you you do need to sort of yeah, yeah. It's it is a really tricky one. Like you know, I mean, for for ages we discussed like chess clocks coming into forty k. 
and in the end that was the only logical step to do timekeeping in 40k which is a lot messier um and you could do chess clocks but then a lot of it is experience like your opponents may just not be that experienced at competitive play like you know what i try and do when we have our little local events is i use that as like a bit of training for the newer players and as i'm walking around the tables if if i'm running a, a, a you know a 10 player event or something like that i'm saying to the newer players right this is the time that you need to get yourself set up get you know get your obstacles out get your lists out you know do this don't be chatting to your opponents now you can chat to them at the end of the game or you can chat to them once everything's if you're if both players are set up and the round time hasn't started by all means have a chat but um i quite liked um at worlds they were getting us to do setup before we'd even like got all our tokens out and stuff like that and just sort of get on with you know placing obstacles placing well placing objectives placing obstacles placing your ships and whilst your opponent's placing something then you can put some of your tokens out and vice versa and that did speed up the start of the game quite a bit um but then you know some players won't have been to a big event where the to will start the timer when they're ready they don't wait for everybody to be set up like some small local events they might overrun and they might be happy because it's, it's a smaller event and they'll wait until everybody's set up and there'll be that one table that's just chatting away because um, it's a bit more casual but when you're running like a hundred player event you can't wait for every table to be set up and it may just be a bit of experience on the player part but then i'll flip that back to the tos which is they need to be monitoring game on game and i know they were asking us for that number of turns being played you know they should be um flagging up players who are not getting a, a sufficient number of turns in to like to, to fairly t determine a, a result of the game and I would say as well that you would be watched, not watched, but they would perhaps look at your game turns going forward in the event as well, because that's the only fair way to do it. And if you if you then go back to playing six, seven, eight turn games, then you're not the problem as such, and then they can look at the other players who are consistently hitting four turns. Yeah, yeah, I think no, that's that, a, that sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's a like a just a like a really solid kind of thing as a like as a to if people are submitting so like yeah as you said at uk games expo we had to put in number of rounds um whether time was called at the end what how many ships were on the list and all sorts of stuff um and i was thinking to myself it's interesting data but i don't believe for a minute that it's going to be captured somewhere that we can look back at it um but from what you've said there like yeah. thinking about it as a way that if somebody is kind of like if you accuse another player of being like of slow play and the judge will go right that was a slow game but now i know that i can go and look at your next result and their next result and see and it also gives you more context so you can look as you said earlier you know six ships versus five ships or seven ships versus six ships or something you'd expect that to have fewer turns than four versus four or three versus three or whatever um so yeah it, it's just that context for the tos because they can go and rummage back through those bits of paper I mean, look uh, for the uh, and, and thing do, and well do do bear yeah. in mind as well there is an awful lot of variance in the game uh, in between yeah. each game like uh you know that that person could be running a six ship list and then they come against some that's running seven ships and they're playing, I don't know, Assault at the Satellite Races, five objectives, or even um, Salvage. So it's five objectives, but we're constantly grabbing crates, dropping crates, having to place crates, and stuff like that. That is going yeah. to be a slow game. 
but then then they you know they take their six ship list against a three ship list at chance engagement and that game should be a lot quicker um, yeah you know and so there there is a lot of variance with regards to scenarios and list matchup um but generally mm-hmm. i think if you're looking over the whole event and that's the way I look at used to look at slow, slow play. Um, so I'd actually um, written some sort of formula with a spreadsheet that looked at uh, I could flag players for slow play, and then it would compare the number of slow games that their opponents had, and then if their opponents had less slow games and blah blah blah, it would discount their opponents and this, and it could work out, and it would let me highlight who the slow players were. Um, okay. And, and it, sometimes it's a discussion. I know in TO groups we've we've had chats about how do you address slow play and stuff like that and one of it i think one of the guys from down south was chatting about a player that's slow and likes to fly the droid swarm and yep. you know in it's and it is like you know a polite conversation with them saying well you, you know perhaps you should try flying a smaller list until you get a bit more competent and and, and quicker your decision making um it is a tough one like because at the end of the day you know you want the you want well, this is it. You want every player to have fun, and that goes for that individual, but also the collective group. And if one person is is negatively affecting other people, then you have to have a chat with them, uh, and hope hopefully they take it the right way. And um, you know, perhaps perhaps there's a way they can prove. And it might be that you know, either tournament play is not for them, or it might be that um, certain list builds are not for them. Um, like in we've discussed in the past at my various swarm lists how i color code stuff and that yep. just helps me speed my game up so much more like you know i i ran six ship republic at, at games expo and everything's color coded and it's like right now i'm activating the green ship now i'm activating the yellow ship and i'm just looking down at the dials flipping dials and i'm not looking for or oh, which arc dial am i flipping over or which you know uh v-wing dial am i flipping over and stuff like that so there's yeah. little, little things like that you can do to help speed up. Yeah, I mean, you, you and I have done that before, and a lot of people do say to me, you know, well, where did you get those things made? And I, it's Cogga 2. Um, they're not on their web shop. Um, I might actually drop them an email and say, you should put these things in your web shop. But basically, you can get them to print your dial covers with whatever you want on the back, and they cost about pound fifty for a dial cover, a ship marker, and a little target lock that's like the size of a tic tac which you might not like because it's too small but you know a target lock costs a couple of quid for basically about 20 quid you can give yourself six dial covers or as many as you need in different colors and a matching ship ship token um so that you know you can do that i've got gone as far as to um spent some of my winnings from a board and brum tournament Mm. on um card sleeves in different colors so i've got a green blue yellow red orange purple and pink card sleeves um and i just those are the same colors as my dials and my ship markers so when i'm I'm playing a six ship list i've always got so i don't even need to know which pilot is which um i decide when i make a list for the first time what color the ships are going to be and sometimes like old favorite pilots are always the same like jess pav is always red pole is always orange um sort of thing and then i fit the other ones in around the scheme but um yeah it's it's just makes it easier and like i've even gone as far as to the actual ships if I put in a dab of paint on a ship, they'll they'll have that dominant color scheme on it, um, just so that it's like the red ship with the red marker and the red target lock and the red cards and the red dial. That makes it easier. But I mean, as you say, these are things that 
you know, if you identify that your pace of play is, is slow and you need a bit of, I do it for simplicity so that my brain has one less thing to think about. Yeah. So I don't have to read stuff and I don't have to figure stuff out. You know, they say I'm shooting red. I go, sweet, red. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've said this know. before. This is the only way that I could run a six tie swarm yeah. in a premier level event that saw me play six rounds of Swiss, you know, on, on, you know, in a day is by yeah. having everything color coded. Because yeah. when, when I mean, obviously, I went one step further and had the Power Ranger Tie Fighters. But that's a separate thing. <laughs> but um, it allowed me to have those six identical ships very easily, and I also knew exactly which color was which uh, pilot ability and stuff like that as well. So when yeah. when people are saying, "Right, I'm going to shoot this one," I said, "Okay, well, I'm in range of the yellow one, which is Del Mico. That means I get defensive reroll, and and all the, I, I'm within range one of the green one, which is Howl Runner. So I get to do that, that, that you know, and little things. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it is. It really is tough. Um, I mean, the problem is as well. We had what two judges and a marshal for hundred players. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you, if you start calling judges for slow play, they're go, they're going to get called over for range checks, arc checks, rules checks at various other tables. So it is very hard for them to police the game because the only fair way to to actually judge a game if it's slow or not is to watch the whole game. Like yeah. it is very hard to come over five minutes and determine who the slow player is. Um, which is why I think the only way you can do it is retrospectively. So you can't really penalise them for the game that you you had, Liam. But what you would then potentially do is look at them over the whole event, and if warnings need to be issued, then that's just the way it has to be. Yeah, yeah. It's um, as we said, we've said in previous podcasts, and we've said today and and at other times recently. It's 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 a toughie. Um, realistically you know three judges should be enough for an event that size as long as nobody's being a tool um the problem is is you need the judges there to deal with the real serious things um you know architects and stuff are fine but you know uh, one of the other things you were saying that to chat that was said was sometimes as a judge or as a to you need to be willing to be the bad guy Mm. um because you're there to ensure that as the majority of the people at your event have a good time um, if one person is not playing fair or is behaving in a way that is um, detrimental to the running of the entire event, then you as the TO are the person who has to kick that person. And everybody else gets to maintain their relationship with them. But you as a TO will probably, you know, they'll, they'll say rude things about you behind your back the next time oh, you brought up in yeah, conversation. Ab- absolutely. Um, but I mean, if you run a big event, you know, you need to be willing to do that, right? No, absolutely. I mean, I've I've had that with 40k an awful lot i mean i don't do 40k events anymore but you know i've had to disqualify people who i might call friends uh mm-hmm. at events because you know at best it was you know massive rules negligence uh at worst they're cheating and it was sort of got to the point where well i can't have you win the event because you've you've played this rule um you know this person was a very good 40k player um and it's like well you should know that rule so you've been playing it wrong i've got multiple opponents telling me you've been playing it wrong so i've got to give you a points penalty that will take you off the podium and they stormed out and and called me names and stuff i'm like well i'm sorry but you know that's it you've got to do it for the whole event uh and in a kind of similar vein um i had one guy that just kept turning up with like unassembled and unpainted models um, and he was actually causing his opponents um, a lot of 
uh, well, negative play experience essentially because they couldn't understand what his his army was. They didn't understand what weapons he was using, and I think there's potentially a bit of cheating going on stuff like that anyway. So I, from then on, I basically had him parade his army for me at the start of round one, and if it wasn't ready, then he he lost round one and got the 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 however many hours to go and fix his army for round two round two i checked his army if it wasn't fit then he got he lost round two um and we did this for a few events and then it just got to a point where i was like you just you just can't come anymore like you just uh, you know and I, I did i worked with him so so much to try and get to get it to work but it was so frustrating and i don't think sometimes people understand is it's it's the impact they have on other players yeah yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing is, yeah, a lot of people lack the self-awareness to actually realize that their behavior is having that impact. And it, it I don't know if it's something that it attracts the, in the nerd community, but, you know, you, you do find people who lack empathy with other people um, and who don't understand or, or recognize how the person across the, the table is feeling. Um, I think, you, you know, you get, supreme empaths in the community as well so I'm, I'm yeah. by all means not trying to tar everybody with the same brush but um you know there are people who, who just don't connect that what they're doing and their behaviors are, are influencing other people or, or people whose intention of playing the game is to win um the the tournament it's not to have fun it's not to ensure that their opponent has fun uh, they're there to win and they'll do what needs to be done to to win a tournament so i mean there's probably a whole podcast in that with a, a different group of people probably coming on to talk about it i mean like i think that a slight divergence but i think that intentional draws are bringing out um an element of gamesmanship into the community where people are looking at how do I win this without playing? And I, I find that weird because I get that you want to win tournaments. And I get that if you're three zero in a four-round tournament or four-zero in a five-round tournament and you do an intentional draw, then you're almost guaranteed cut because somebody who loses that last round game will be below you in the standings because mm-hmm. you have a draw. The the only um, way but, you, the only way you can get rid of intentional draws is by removing the draw as a, a viable result. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, the, the the thing that attracted me to tournaments in the first place for X-Wing, because um, I'd never played geeky game tournaments at all mm. prior to X-Wing, and the thing that attracted me to actually attending tournaments rather than just playing kitchen table games with my friends was um, what one of my mates just said, just think of a tournament as a way to go and have an excuse to play six games of X-Wing in a, in a day or five games of X-Wing in a day. Um, you know, rather than having a game once a week or once a month with somebody at, in your house, you get to go to a game store, you get to play four or five games of X-Wing um, in, in one day and yeah. just have fun. Um, and to me, still, tournaments are about going and playing lots of games of X-Wing to have fun. And if I do well, that's great. Um, I can't understand traveling somewhere, spending a couple of hours or, you know, an hour or whatever, um, driving to a store to play four rounds of X-Wing and then to deliberately say, you're all right, I don't want to play one of these rounds of X-Wing. I'd rather do some, I'd rather sit over there and watch other people playing instead of playing another game myself, you know? Um, but I, I get people play for different reasons. Um, so slight aside for me, <laughs> just a slight aside. I don't understand why people would intentional draw. Uh, that said, if I was, you know, eight and zero at Worlds and somebody said to me, if you intentional draw your last game, you, you, you will 
make cup. Well, I'd be like, I'd be like, uh. <laughs> I mean, that, that's exactly what I said to people, uh, both in discussions at Worlds and Games Expo uh, and events like that. Is where people are, oh, I, I would never take an intentional draw. I'm like, are you honestly telling me you're going into the last game knowing that if you lose, you're not in cut, but if you get anything better, you're in cut. And if your opponent offered you a draw, are you saying, no, I'm, I'm not going to take it? And like, there will be people out there that will say, no, I'll play the game. And if they lose, then, then so be it. But they, they can't be disappointed then that they've not, yeah. they've missed cut. They have to accept that, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword. Um, yeah. You know, I am not a fan of intentional draws. I, they are a necessary evil to keep the uh, try to try and keep the the games fair from a from a judge and also um, safe. So what he's trying to do is avoid any kind of intimidation or bullying or bribery or coercion uh, yeah. from the situation is by bringing it above the table and making it very clear this is how you go about it. You call a judge, you don't discuss it, you offer your opponent the draw, and then you say yes or no. There's no discussion about the pros and the cons, or etc. with it. Um, just, just to mention at Expo, Darren Granger was playing Chris Burnett in round two, um, and Chris was smashing him, um, and the score was like 18 to five or something and chris had control of you know three objectives so was going to win next turn whatever darren did basically um darren put his hand up and called the judge judge appeared at the table and he said i would like to offer my opponent an intentional draw <laughs> and the judge was like would you like to accept the intentional draw and chris was like no because like i win in 10 seconds and the judge was like okay fair enough no intentional draw here and walked off and darren was like uh, <laughs> never mind <laughs> Well, so this is it. Like, so me and Dale had a chat, um, and we shouldn't really have had a chat, but I mean, it just came up in in conversation as we were setting (gasps) up. Collusion. Well, in game six, we we could have just gone for a draw. Like, neither of us were playing for cut at that point. Um, But I, the way I saw it, I I looked at the standings. I felt that if if we draw, we potentially both miss out on top thirty two prizes. And yeah. I, I was fairly confident that Dale beats me because he had the Imperial Bomber list, which my mm-hmm. Galactic Republic list really struggles into. Um, it can beat uh, your average Imperial Bomber player. Dale is not your average Imperial Bomber player. You know, your your average Imperial player. You know, he's a very good player. Um, so I felt that if I took the draw, I was likely doing Dale out the top 32 prize. So I was like, oh, we'll just play it, you know, knowing that I'll, I'd have to fly my socks off to try and win it, and it didn't happen, so... I was like, fair, yeah. en- fair enough, you've got top 32, I haven't. Uh, and actually, I looked at the standings afterwards, and if I'd taken the draw, I would have guaranteed top 32. But hey-ho. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, well. Yeah. You know, I mean... Yeah. I mean, so, like, there didn't used to be draws. After whatever it was that happened in Roanoke or whatever in America, where a bunch of people colluded, basically, to all do draws in the last round so that they all made cut, um, uh, those people are now in the playtesting group and are influencing AMG. So they obviously thought that draws are fine. People who played in things like Magic the Gathering um, think that intentional draws are fine because they're they're an event. They didn't happen in X-Wing for a long time, mostly because it was vanishingly unlikely that it did happen. And if it did, they had Final Salvo, which is awful. Um, the only thing that I would think about saying about, about, intentional, about draws in general in X-Wing is that... Um, if you have to have a method by which you resolve draws, if the final of an event, like, say, Worlds, um, is a draw, then 
why don't you just use that method through Swiss and the rest of, uh, well, you know, obviously you use it in Cup, why don't you just use that method in Swiss and say, you know, if your game's a draw for, at time or at 12 rounds or whatever, um, if, you know, at time, um, then you do a road roll. Yeah. And I mean, that way it's, yeah. it's neat. You don't have draws. You don't have arguments. You don't have collusion at accusations. So I don't know. So I, I've TO'd Magic events as well. And I mean, having played Magic, like because the format is like best of three generally, you can yeah. actually draw fairly easy. You know, in, in the time limit, you play one game. It takes most of your time. One player wins. The other player bounces back. And there isn't time to play the third game or, or play to con- conclusion so the draw could be quite likely anyway um uh and i think magic is a very different game uh compared to x-wing and especially when when we didn't have draws at all it just baffled me that you could then intentionally draw um and we had an element where the entire top x tables intentionally drew which basically shut out anybody else from making the top cut um so it is very much a feels bad um I mean, it also really baffles me from an American sort of point of view as well, where a lot of their sports don't allow draws and they have overtime or they have, you know, sudden death or, or whatever they have. Um, so it seems, you know, it'd be a very American thing, like, to, to not have a draw, which does really sort of baffle me. And, and like, yeah, and the, the, you've got the road mechanic or final salvo. Both of them are perfectly fine. I think the the distance of events in America is the thing that confuses me because, you know, it's not like the UK where you can, you know, do 45 minutes down the road and be at any one of four different store championships. You know, people are often traveling like three, four hours in a car to play at a store championship because it's not their local store. And the next game store that has an X-Wing store kit is like in the next state over or whatever. And they're driving four hours to get to it and then four hours back. And it's like, I, I can't get why you drive that far to not play X-Wing. Uh, but anyway, anyway, it's a bit of an aside and, and a very, uh, you know, obviously things are a bit entrenched. There are camps who think that draws are a great thing and camps that think that draws are a bad thing. And I recall at the sister, um, not the system, but when the sister take were open last year, we kind of promoted that there were best in bracket prizes. And there was just a point when everybody just looked at each other and just went, well, whoever's got a draw wins that you can't do anything about it you know the person with four wins one draw gets the top of the four bracket prize right <laughs> it's like yeah yeah i guess they do <laughs> sorry that's a better record um but like if it was an intentional draw that would make me grouchy like if they were four and oh and then they'd done an id as a to who's giving prizes out i'd be like i'd rather reward the person that played their fifth game than, so you know so, give, giving somebody a 60 quid lego set for not playing the last game sort of thing well that's very easy then for the next fifth taker open we flip it and it's based on the number of losses yeah so yeah, yeah, the, 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 the top the top person with zero losses, the top with one loss, the top with two loss, and then the draws actually would then sit at the bottom of that bracket. Yeah. I mean, yeah, an intentional a... draw is zero zero, isn't it? So we could monitor it like that. I mean, I mean, I I wouldn't. Well, I mean, no, it's persecute them. No, no. The issue then you then got is that then suddenly people will have a twenty twenty draw. Oh, look what happened. And, and it has to be yeah. it has to be offered beginning. 
Yeah, I, I mean, the, the, well, there's there's too much stuff. To to be honest, the way that they do it at the moment is probably the best, which is that you can offer it at any point, but that has to be no collusion and a judge there, um, and the judge is willing to actually say you've clearly colluded when you've offered this draw and been discussing this before I turned up. So you're not allowed to have it, and you're both warned, and you're both getting a game loss. Um, versus, you know trying to overly complicate the process you, you either have draws and do them the way they do them now or you just don't and you figure out a mechanic by yeah. like whether it's road or final salvo or whatever um because anything other than the absolute open above the table have a judge there will just lead to collusion and bad feeling and feeling of pressure and bully and you know, whatever you know like oh, oh you're such a dick you didn't you should have you know, why didn't you? Now we're both out. If you'd done an ID, we were both in or whatever. Um, you know, and like, I don't know, as you said, Tim, I don't know if I was at a big tournament and I was guaranteed cut if we did an ID. I, I would probably, at a big tournament, like something bigger than a store championship, oh, yeah. probably stick my hand up and shout for a judge and offer it, but well, you only get, on like the last round. Yeah, UK, UK Games Expo, you're 5-0 and going into the last round. A draw guarantees you're in cut. I mean, to be honest, a loss you're probably in cut anyway. So, but it's like you you might just you might just decide just to take it. I I don't know. Like it's close, and I I I will be very pleased if I'm ever in that situation. Yeah, well, exactly, and I I don't think I'm going to be um righteous enough to say that I would never do that, and I would always play the last game because. The, the hyper-competitive nature in me that I mostly keep hidden um, would just be like, nope, cut, got to get into cut and don't want to risk it. And that's it's as simple as that. So, you know, seeing people like Matt Coggins at Sith Taker Open, Chris Patrick at Worlds, um, Corentin at um, UK Games Expo, who got, you know, the X and 1 record but missed cut because of an arbitrary number, um, being into cut rather than a, a record getting into cut. Um, yeah taking that risk away is, is basically what, what you need to do. So, but yeah, anyway, enough of that. Tim, how many board games did you buy at UK Games Expo? Um, don't think I bought any board games. I did buy the Obi-Wan expansion for Shatterpoint and some Shatterpoint dice. Okay. To go with the okay. core set that turned up from Will and Games whilst I was away at Games Expo. Okay. I mean, have you, have you it, opened it and looked at it? I have opened it. I have taken the rules pack out, and that is uh, the rules uh, booklet sat sat on my sofa, and then everything else has been back in the box because I've been feeling rubbish and or hot for the last week. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm just like, I'll get around to it at some point. I mean, like I've built you know two thousand point Imperial Guard and Space Marine armies and stuff like that. So assembling like a dozen models is is not posing a problem. Uh, but yeah, it's something to do at some point. Like, yeah, as long as the sculpts are better than some of the Marvel Crisis Protocols stuff, because Shuri, Shuri's head and her hair came in three different pieces. I've heard the B1s are an absolute pain in the backside, but hey. Yeah, I've got 80 of those to assemble. Why do you think I haven't done it yet? And I've had them as a lockdown project. And that's it. Shatterpoint is two bases of three each, so... Yes, there'll be a pain, but it's just that's it. And once those are assembled, that's unless you decide to buy a, an expansion with B ones in, which I've not seen yet. But no, I, I think um, it's just more of a bit of a hobby project and, and possibly getting into it. 
cool. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I've not looked at it because I find the barrier to entry of cost um, was too much. So um, well, even that yeah. said, I forgot I forgot that Darren works for um, Gibbs Workshop now in corporate, and I spent full price on a Blood Bowl team at Expo when I then went and saw him and went, oh, you could have got me staff discount. He was like, I totally could. <laughs> I was like, can I go and return this? And then you buy it for me again with staff discount. He was like, no. <laughs> oh, nuts. So. No, it's um, like uh, yeah. Uh, me and Ben went halves on Shatterpoint, so it is it is a big price thing. I might sell the terrain because we've got Element Games, so I don't need my own terrain. Um, yeah. yeah, and yeah, sort of. I'll play some with it and see how it goes. And it's just a you know bit of a hobby project. I mean, I I do like painting bits and bobs every now and again, so I do like painting my X-wing ships when I can find the inspiration. Uh, so yeah, painting some Shatterpoint models might be quite cool. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, I'm going to learn. I'm going to finally break the, like previously, the only thing I've done is kind of dab dots of colour over the existing dots of colour on X-Wing ships to change the colour of the ship or the dominant colour of the ship. But I've got, what is it, 15, 12, something like that, little grey men with beards sitting next to me staring at me um so i'm gonna try and learn how to paint and the first some, ones will look absolutely terrible no there's some really good youtube videos out there and what i would suggest is that uh shades washers and or contrast paints are your friend because they do an awful lot of work for you <laughs> yeah people have told me that yeah well this is it like i mean we, we, we you know we used to like joke like no oil or certainly devlin mud or the sort of agrax earth shade which is the sort of the brown dark brown wash uh i mean and, and that's what i used to do painting judging as well and i would I, I, I would do pictures for people and i would say this is this is this is the picture of the model with i don't know three or four colors on just plain and then this is it with one coat of a wash and it just makes it pop. It's the definition between the darks and the lights. And um, that's what I found really cool with the, the contrast paints. Um, because of my Republic's all basically um, sprayed black, dry brush grey, very faint white uh, dry brush. Um, so they call it, um, I think it's Zen Zenith Highlights, where you basically try and you do it all from like one angle. So it's the light, say, coming from the top. And then you just basically just slap the contrast paint all over it. And it just... Yeah, it's just the definition's really good. So um, I'm thinking about investing in a few more of those paints for painting some shatter points. I might get some pictures up on the Facebook page. But yeah, um, so you check out YouTube videos. I would um, obviously like you know you got you got your sort of big names like Duncan Rhodes, um, Peachy, and a few others who do some really good instructional videos about how to paint. But there's loads of good studios out there um that you know, do various things and it might even be worth actually um uh just search on youtube uh or oh, richard dived off anyway um but maybe search on youtube for like specific uh so if you're painting say a norse blood bowl team actually search for painting a norse blood bowl team and there might be people out there that have already done it and they'll obviously talk about certain paints and techniques that they've used yeah, sounds good. I mean, I disconnected. From I know. I, I did say that. So, but, uh, oh. yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you all my useful advice offline. But I mean, that's I, yeah. the crux. The crux of it was basically uh, YouTube is an absolute treasure trove. Uh, for... Yeah, I, I've had a look at some of them, and there's some very, very, very talented people who have obviously spent many thousands of hours um, with much better equipment, paints, and and stuff than I've got. Kind of practicing and practicing and practicing since they were kids and i look at it and i go oh that looks amazing and then i try it and it looks like 
a three-year-old has been let loose in a do, pink factory. Do you have any spare, like, random 40k models or anything like that? Nope. Nope. I mean, I probably, I, I probably got some spare ones somewhere, because that's what I did with my uh, Republic colour scheme, was uh, I actually sacrificed, uh, a, I think, a TIE bomber. Um, so I've got, a, like, a TIE bomber that's been painted in various parts of it, where I, I tried out the different techniques. Um, yeah. So, you, I mean, rather than going straight into the model, if you want to, you know, sort of your final models and stuff. I'm, I've got I've got to so I've got a, a an arrangement with Sean. Um, I'm gonna go up to his house at some point, and he's gonna undercoat them because he's got loads of sprays and stuff to save me buying for for one thing. Um, so he's gonna spray them, and then we're gonna play a game of something, and then we're gonna sit down, and he's gonna let me use all of his paints and his brushes and everything because he's got tons of stuff. Um, and he's gonna kind of talk me through painting one of them. Um, so, like, I understand the basic layers of army painting, which is really all I want to do. But then I look at Norse, and they've got all this fancy detailing and stuff. And I'm like, oh, but I want to do that. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, to start off with, you're basically just doing a basic layer and then you're coloring in some of the armory bits and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the box says it's got six colors. Anyway, this is an X Wing podcast, not a Blood Bowl podcast. I share one little cheat mode before we move on. Go on. And it actually uh, blew my mind about this. So uh, when um, Matt Schuff at Element was teaching me how to do airbrushing, uh, mm -hmm. what you can do is, so let's say you paint your Norse to a tabletop standard, you, know, you do your skin, you do your leather, you do your arm and all that sort of stuff. Give it a varnish, and then you can go and paint the detail on. And if you don't like the detail, because the paints are water-based, you can just use a little wet cloth and just rub the paint off. And because you varnish the models, everything you've painted previously is like saved. It's like a save point, yeah, and that yeah. and that just blew my mind. So like my um, you know my jump masters I did mm -hmm. that have got the detail on on the wings. They got like the stripes and stuff like that. So essentially, yeah. we painted all the base colors, varnished it, and then yeah, uh, when I mucked up one of the lines or whatever, you could just basically just rub rub it off and then just redo it. So yeah, I, it, it absolutely buffered me. But stuff like that, unless you actually speak to somebody that is you know, experienced painter, you won't know that sort of stuff. But there yeah. we go. That's my little little thing. We can move on from painting. That's that thing. So I mean, like, there's been a couple of um store championships and things like that that have happened in America. Um we're not gonna go through the lists and stuff. If you want to look them up, you can look at them on um what's it called? Roll better list fortress. Roll. I mean, I think the events were held in Roll Better, but we haven't got any links for them or anything like that. So um, I know that uh, one of them was won by a resistance list. Yay. It was Ray Pone. <laughs> it was Ray Pone, I think two other T70s, and it was won by some scrub called Duncan Howard, who, who's heard of him. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's apparently set himself a challenge of winning seven store championships, one with each faction. So I'll be interested to see what he does with Scum and Villainy. Um, but yeah, he um, one of the, uh, the the guys that I know who flies a lot of resistance kind of had a quick chat with him about it, and he was like, "So I see you've solved resistance's problem of not having a good three pointer by just not having a three pointer." He's like, "Yeah, pretty much." <laughs> so it's like, "Yeah, take a, a five or four. I think he took Nien Nomelo Asti, um, Ray. Probably math doesn't work, and then maybe, it might have been another four. It might have been Vanessa Dozer or somebody like that. Like, but it was three T seventies in Ray, um, a reasonably high initiative. So, um, yeah. Have you have you been playing any games at all since we got back from Expo, or have you just been on a on an X wing hiatus while settling back? Is that Liam? 
Yeah. Whoever. Oh. First yeah, one to open their mouth. Liam. Uh, so, I've played one game. And it's only because there was a small inkling. It's like, yeah, I should play. I should play. Yeah. Uh, but after Expo, I was kind of like, yeah. Like, I don't even fancy going to small tournaments after what happened. Like, there was just a really bitter taste in my mouth. And it's taken me a full week to kind of go, I do still like the game. I can't let one experience kind of sour my experience of the entire game. Uh, yeah. And I was going to go to Atlas on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I think from Monday onwards, I kind of got struck with this horrible illness where I could, couldn't breathe properly. I couldn't walk Boba for 25 minutes without getting back and wanting to collapse through exhaustion. Uh, nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on the back end of that now. I'm feeling a lot better. And I kind of do want to get out there and kind of just play some games. Like, even if it's a like a four-game tournament, I don't really care how I do. I just want to go and meet people and play some games and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd love to do that. I think I've tried to eyeball one more store championship, but I think I'm just going to um, have a laugh playing um, high initiative um, Jedi or um, aforementioned foresight list, which is hilarious. And I don't have any idea if it's good or not. Like, obviously, Five Sight Inquisitors was a meta monster. I don't think it is anymore. Um, but, uh, like, it's, I think it's just fun. Like, it's all initiative three and four, so it can't be broken, right? Um, but it's a lot of, uh, it's a big laugh. Um, and just enjoy flying stuff for fun rather than trying to hunt down the, the panacea for UK Games Expo, which we've spent a couple of weeks trying to do, and I obviously failed miserably. So, um, yeah. What about you, Tim? Have you played any games at all? Nah. Well, I mean, so we we decided to do a two week uh, extension for the league, didn't we? So I didn't end up with yeah. a league game. Um, and I'll be honest, like I say, I've just so I had eleven days off, went back to work last Tuesday, been feeling rough after Games Expo, plus obviously getting back to work and stuff. I just been just chilling out really, and just and this mm-hmm. is it. Sometimes, like you know, I feel like you have to sort of have breaks every now and again from the game and just do other things, um, just to sort of you know keep keep everything fresh and and sort of you know keep going. But um, now I've got a league game. I think I've got a New Zealander to play uh, this week by Lutzing. So hopefully, um, I think I'm off Friday morning. So I might see if we can play then if that works for them. Um, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've drawn an, an Aussie, so I'm uh, currently in the process of attempting to find something that is uh, mutually inconvenient for both of us. Um, but you know, it's all good. That's what we do it for. We do it for the fun of it, don't we? Um, right, cool. Um, I don't think we've really got anything else to talk about, have we? Not really. Um, we've got Welsh Open um, obviously happening in a couple of weeks. I know they've now yeah. capped the event at 60 players. Um, so if you are planning to come, please do buy a ticket because uh, 10th edition 40k is releasing and they want to use that space uh, uh, for players, essentially. So it's not that they're giving space over to 40k necessarily, but rather than have empty space um, because there isn't enough uptake in X-Wing, um, obviously they've reduced the capacity a little bit so if you want to come, do buy your ticket uh, I'll be down there Friday night for sure um, and then obviously uh, playing on the Saturday um, I know several other people are travelling so it should be a good event yeah yeah, it'll be good um, I'm gutted that I can't go but 
insufficient permission slips exist in the world for me to take another weekend away. Um, no, so, yeah. Yeah, raging moderately. Um, cool. Liam, have you anything? Uh, everyone buy Colt Express and Robo Rally. They're absolutely great and you just mess each other up. <laughs> um, my, my last thing is I just want to thank Liam and Yaz for um, putting me up when I was at UK Games Expo um, and particularly to Boba for waking me up at midnight with a, a hilarious enactment of chaos on the spare bed as he just turned in and basically did laps across me um, and he's not a small dog he's a large golden retriever and he was basically yeah he was jumping up and down on my chest and turning circles on me and licking me in the face and ear and stuff and I was I was asleep and I, that woke me up and I was like this is the best I started laughing and fussing him and stuff and that was the point when Liam and Yaz stopped panicking outside the door that I was gonna scream and I don't know. So about that, I was about to get into bed and I was looking around. I'm like, there's something missing from this room. Where's Boba? <laughs> and I walked onto the landing. I looked downstairs because the gate was closed. So we couldn't get down. And he, and there was nothing there. And I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God. And then I just saw that your door was open and I, re- I remembered it was closed. And as I took a step towards it, I just heard, like a ruffle of the sheets, and then you start to laugh, and I was like, "Bova, Bova!" <laughs> like he's great, but he he's a lot sometimes. I mean, it was hilarious, but mostly it was hilarious because you and you sounded like you were panicking, like properly panicking about get him out. But I, having children, know that the more panicked you get, the funnier they find it. Yeah. <laughs> so he was having his best yeah. of times and I wasn't exactly trying to get rid of him you know I, I used to so. joke that my brother's chocolate lab and he was a big dog was like a, a T-Rex because he used to come into the room and if you didn't move he just wouldn't he wasn't bothered but as soon as you yeah. move he was like ha ha it's playtime is it and then yeah and then of course then you react to him jumping on you and he's just like oh you want to play some more sure oh god <laughs> yeah dogs are dumb but we love them he's, he's a ball of joy Big stupid ball of joy. They do say pets take after their owners. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll take that one. <laughs> He's got no coordination and he gets that from Yaz. <laughs> so we know. Anyway, thank you very much. Um, and uh, I understand that both Boba and Matt Flockhart's dog, that I can't remember what it's called, um, very much enjoyed the large bit of animal bone that I brought as a as as a as a thank you kind of peace offering to the the animals of the house. So, but if you yeah, want a dog to be your mate, just, good. But if you want an animal to be your mate, just bring it a bone. That'd be fine. It's all good, right? Anyway, life lessons done. Bring give that dog a bone and whatnot. Um, have you any shout-outs, Liam, apart from Borden Brom? Uh, Boba for being an all-round dude. Uh, Agent, Agent of Chaos and all that stuff. Yeah, he's my guy. And Yeah, that's it. It's all I can remember right now. Oh, shout-out to Illy for giving me an absolute kick-in uh, a few days before the Expo in the Sith Taker League. Uh, it's he beats me once a year, but we only play once a year. So <laughs> I think it's the one person I'm not up on in games. 
Is that he's German lad, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. He, he's always on the German XCC team. He's absolutely brilliant. And he's he's a fun game as well. Like he's just an all round nice guy. Yeah. Good guy. What about you, Tim? Any shout outs? Uh, not especially. I mean, obviously my opponents at Games Expo, um, yeah, obviously it was a lot of fun, even though I felt like death. Um, and I think we obviously shout out Chris and the team for running things, but no, I think yep. that's it. And um, yeah, looking forward to a uh, few events over the next few months. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of um, people at UK Games Expo, the, the waiting list for the Sith Taker Open is up to 25 people now um, because people who had dropped out of the game but kind of came back to it were like, oh, are you still running that open? Yeah. Can I have a ticket? I was like, yeah, yeah add you to the waiting list. Um, so uh, if you are on the waiting list, by the way, I'm just going to send an email out over the next week or so. Um, just asking about your um, like your lead time that you need to actually attend the event, um, so that we can try and order the waitlist kind of in a in a way that means that we're maximising people's opportunity to travel to the event in the event that somebody does drop out. Um, so obviously, you know, if you've got an international flight and somebody drops out the day before, you're not going to be coming. But if you live in Stockport, then you probably would be able to make it and. Just trying to make sure that we get as many people there as possible and get as many opportunities as possible to attend. So keep an ear out for that. Um, Tim's already mentioned round uh, five of the Sith Taker League. Uh, the Sorting League is um, is now live, so you've got a week to get your games in. And by the time this comes out, less than a week. So crack on and make sure you do. Uh, anything else? No? no. Good. Good. Good luck in your store championships, everyone. I guess. Yeah, that everybody's attending. That'll be that'll be the best of times. Um, and play quickly. <laughs> play quickly. Not, All right. No, no, that... not, not not play quickly. Play at a at a reasonable pace. We're not. If you get yeah. four rounds, I will hunt you down. Yeah, but that's that'd be, <laughs> but, but yeah, you're not asking people to play quickly. You're just asking people to play at a reasonable pace. Anyway, we've we've thrashed that enough. <laughs> <laughs> Flog that dog enough. Let's stop. All right. Uh, so on that note, uh, it's goodbye from Liam. Doodles. Uh, goodbye from Tim. You took too long to say that. Slow play. Goodbye. That's goodbye from me. Bye bye. We have all the time in the world. Time enough for life. To unfold all the precious things love has in store. We have all the love in the world. Slow what? play. Slow play. I will fight you.